0: How are you managing capital what are trends that you see in industry wise more specifically your company like how are you i guess sort of strategizing going into this new year based on uh, the way you're thinking the industry will actually trend as well hey everyone happy new year once again thanks for checking into our latest tdr cannabis exclusive i'm your host shad dales again i hope you had a great holiday season As we look back in December, I look at a few stocks that performed really, really strong heading into the holiday season. One of them was New Lake Capital Partners, which trades on the OTC under the ticker symbol NLCP. Why? We saw heavy volume. We saw some initiation coverage from one of the best analysts in the space. So we want to welcome back in a friend of the podcast. Happy New Year, CEO of New Lake Capital, Anthony Cogniglio. Good to see you. How are things?
1: I'm doing great. Happy New Year, guys. How's it going? Happy New Year.
0: Yeah. I am good. How's the holiday season? Any uh, chance to get some downtime or uh, was it business as usual and working around the clock?
1: No, I definitely had the opportunity. It's so so important. So many of us know, right? We work so hard. It's so important to unplug, make sure you're connecting with family and friends. And so really look forward to doing that um, over the holidays. It was great.
0: It's kind of exciting to get back to work now, especially at this uh, industry, because if there's ever a year that I've seen so much optimism and excitement, 2024, a lot different from 12 months ago, but uh, in a lot of ways, this is a question for both of you, does it kind of remind you of this space six, seven, eight years ago when uh, people were just so excited once tax loss selling the season down to see how stocks are performing
2: the first two weeks of January? It was good. It was good to come out of 2023 alive, but I just, we need something to happen now. Yeah. It's not, we're done talking. Everything right now is just speculation and talking. And I mean, I'm sure Anthony has the same, shares the same sentiment as an operator in the space, but I mean, it's time to get something done. Um, we can't sit here and just pontificate about these things that are gonna move the industry forward. We actually need to move the industry forward. Yeah. Um, and hopefully this is when it happens, 2024. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I would say the word that comes to mind for me is anticipation. I think, you know, right? Everyone's anticipating what's going to happen, uh, hopefully in the first quarter or in the first half of the year through the DEA's accepting the HHS recommendation to reschedule, hopefully to a Schedule 3. Whereas I think in previous years and in previous cycles, um, there was hope for something to happen. I think we're all hoping, but I think there's more anticipation today than there is hope. For for I think good reason um to get the DEA to agree with HHS.
0: Yeah. As I said off the top, like we brought this up a few times in our Trade to Black podcast or Daily Movers. Your name was brought up quite a bit over the course of two, three weeks. We saw some heavy volume regarding the stock. And as I said, Pablo Zwenich's firm, Zwenich and Associates, they initiated coverage on your company, outlining four key takeaways as to why. Then you sent out a press release back on December 14th, announcing that your fourth quarter 2023 cash dividend. Has increased to 40 cents uh, per share of common stock. So what do you think, you know, looking back fourth quarter attributes to, uh, I guess, this consistent trend that we're continuing to see?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I think it's a culmination of a lot of hard work and focus during the course of uh, 2023. We did have a tenant issue during the course of the year that we were able to resolve um, we sold a property for a tenant in the fourth quarter that really demonstrated our partnership approach with the industry and our hands on approach to managing the portfolio. We sold that property uh, at the same price at which we acquired the property, which I think really validated the underwriting approach that we have and yeah. the value of the properties we invest in. Um, and I think Pablo, you know, being a very, very well respected research yeah. analyst around the community. Uh, certainly coming out with his views, and, and he's certainly somebody that recognizes the value there. And then capping off the year with a raise in our dividend. And we've been able to raise our dividend now every year um, since we went public back in 2021. And I think when when you look at investors, not just investors in cannabis, but investors more broadly, you know, they like to see companies that uh, have the ability to resolve issues when they occur, and that can grow revenue, um, and that can grow their dividend. Um, and that's ultimately what we did.
0: Interesting to see yeah. you see rate cuts uh, happen this year as well, right?
1: Yeah, that'd be nice. yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch to see what does the Fed do. There's a lot of debate going on. You know, as we yeah. sit here at the beginning of January, a lot of debate going on around what um, what's going to happen. In fact, as we're talking now, the minutes are coming out from the Fed uh, from the last Fed meeting, and that's going to be a little bit of a tell for people, I think, to know. Uh, are they over expecting rate cuts or do people have it priced in uh priced incorrectly
2: yeah I mean, do you yeah. think in your traditional finance background i mean do you think that we actually get rate cuts this year and we start to see see powell kind of taper down or do you think it's kind of just conjecture and it's like it's just whatever the cpi number prints um we're kind of stuck in that bubble for some time now
1: yeah i, I put this in the category of um People tell you what they're going to do, and I think the Fed yeah. has consistently told us what they're going to do, and that is going to be data dependent. And yeah. so if the data says that the economy is weakening, they're going to cut. Right? It makes sense. It's the tool that they turn to every time when you get a weakening economy. If yeah. you don't see weakness in the economy and you're seeing persistence around inflation, um, then I don't think you're going to see those level of cuts. And so I listen when Jerome Powell says that he's data dependent and I believe that. So this Friday's um, this Friday's jobs report is going to be important in that regard. And then there's a lot of data points along the way. And I could paint a picture for you with a series of data sets that would say that they should start cutting in March, April. I could also paint a picture for you uh, with a series of data sets that may come out in the next few months that says that they won't cut until very late this year, if at all. Um, so I think we just have to see how it all plays out. And I'm not smart enough to know uh, yeah, yeah. what employment is going to look like and what inflation is going to look like in February, March and April. That's for economists. Yeah,
2: it yeah. was funny. I, we, we heard soft landing, hard landing. This morning I heard no landing um, <laughs> at all. Right? So right, it, right. Uh, it, it, it's <laughs> as best as anybody's guess. So, I mean, we got a lot of positive news in 2023 from an operational perspective, from like yeah. MSOs. We got Maryland. We got Ohio. Um, several catalysts. I mean, are you anticipating that we start to see some actual growth come into the sector um, this year and we start to really use last year as a baseline to start to grow these numbers or kind of like the same thing that we've seen here maybe for the next, for the last like two or three years um, in yeah. terms of uh, marginal growth for the sector?
1: Yeah, I think across the sector. I think. Um... I think across the sector, you're going to see growth primarily driven by the new states that come on. Um, I think there will be a little bit of underlying growth, same store sales growth in certain markets. I think you're going to see some very modest overall growth um, aside from those new states that turn on. Um, and then specifically for the companies it's going to be more of what 2023 was which was if you had exposure in the states that converted from medical to rec um so right now if you have exposure to ohio and ohio can get their uh, uh get their program going you know they're going to get outsized growth but i think baseline growth is probably low single low to mid single digits and then when you add if somebody has exposure just to a maryland or some of the other states that are having higher growth um, maybe New York really starts to move towards the end of 2024 and add to some Q3, Q4 growth for some of the folks that have exposure there. But they tend to be the larger companies. So the New York business mm-hmm. is small relative to the whole still yeah. for 2024 activity. It won't be till 25 into 26 that some of those operators really see a percentage growth that's meaningful to the bottom line
2: yeah it's funny because when new york flipped everyone was like well it's going to be like maryland those numbers are going to come right into the top line <laughs> um, right off the bat and i'm like 2025 2026 20, maybe you start yeah. to see the numbers nothing is going to happen like maryland for a while i mean that was just explosive and everyone was positioned correctly right off and the bat and they the got one. yeah and they got their rollout um they nailed their rollout as yes. far as the governing bodies go
0: maryland yeah. did what 90 million uh last month yeah. or november yeah. excuse me yeah
2: 89 i think 89
1: million in november yeah 90. and missouri's been another example of a terrific market that launched that had the yeah. program ready to go i mean if you think about that it uh the voters approved in 20 november of 22 and that program launched in early 23. Yeah. um and it's been a jogger hunt. it's been a great great market a lot of dispensaries were open a lot of capacity
2: yeah um there's really? some great markets that the MSOs don't really have too much exposure to. Missouri is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. I would expect to see some consolidation in that in that market sooner or later, with some MSOs needing to gain market share in other states to really stimulate growth. Uh, Missouri, mm-hmm. I think, is going to be one of those markets.
1: Yeah, we've certainly yeah. seen it amongst some of the groups within Missouri. You've already seen a few starting to lead the pack in terms of uh, uh, in terms of owning. Um, Twenty or so dispensaries, and there's caps on dispensaries, but yeah. groups are figuring out ways to try to organize capital structures in, in different sleeves to, to really start to dominate that market because the fundamentals there are so positive right now.
0: Yeah, as I said off the top, there's a few things that Zoanich's firm highlighted, including dividend yield of twelve percent. They also highlighted committed capital of four hundred and twenty-seven million, made up of thirty-one properties in 12 states. Uh, All in all, I think this is a pretty impressive year for you when it comes to growth.
1: Yeah, thank you uh, for saying that. Again, we've got a great team and it's the culmination of a lot of hard work. Um, We have 100% of our properties are generating revenue for us, 100% occupancy, which is really what you want to have when you're real estate. Yeah, of course. Um, For those that aren't familiar with us, as, as you said, Chad, we've got 31 properties across 12 states with 13 tenants. Our tenants are some of the leading names in the industry, like uh, a Leaf or a Trueleaf, Cresco. Uh, cannabis is in the portfolio. Uh, we have some private companies that folks may not have heard of. One they may have heard of, uh, the the Mint. I only say that recently because the Mint picked up some dispensaries from. Uh, from MedMen about a week or two ago, and you know, was we, that in get,
2: Nevada? Was that in Nevada, or Arizona? No, a
1: combination of Nevada, and oh, I nice. think there were a couple in Arizona as well. So, yeah. um, you know, they do a terrific job. We've got a cultivation facility we're building for them in in Arizona, a really great property uh, in Phoenix, um, and, and so we've got a high quality portfolio. Uh, we've had some meaningful growth. Our growth really comes from three sources. Number one is. We have uh, annual escalators on our rental payments, yep. uh, 2.5% across the portfolio, so you wake up every year and you're just going to have natural growth okay. in revenue um, to the tune of 2.5% across the portfolio. In addition to that, at the end of the third quarter, we had over $20 million of unfunded commitments. These are a couple of projects that we're funding over time. As that money goes out the door, um, our revenue is going to go up as we start to charge rental yeah. capital. So that's the second leg of growth. And then third is we have $90 million of available credit capacity. Um, and as we look for new transactions to be able to deploy that capital creatively we can, we can grow there. And so, you know, what we've been saying since the time we started the company in 2019 though, guys, is it's not just about growth. And I know a lot of people want growth, growth, I, growth, but it's about quality growth.
2: Yeah, okay? absolutely.
1: It's about but quality. think about
0: this. If you got rates cut and a rescheduling, even your model in place right now, that's growth in itself, right?
1: Yeah, growth, but, but also the value of our company is is in the cash flows. It's in those stream of rents. And so within yep. a weighted average lease term of roughly 14 years, it's a very long duration portfolio. So okay. it's credit sensitive. Um, and so you have to look at the discount rate you'd apply to those cash flows. And if you have higher credit quality, you're going to have a better discount rate, meaning better predictability, more right. value to those cash flows. So the company becomes valued. Uh, should become valued greater those those series of cash flows, and so with rescheduling, right? While that's great for the industry from a two e perspective, think about from our perspective, it improves the credit quality of every one of our tenants. Good point, um, because their cash flow profile improves, and so for us, we benefit because our tenants are benefiting from improved cash flow, which increases. Um, the durability of our dividend, the durability of our cash flows, and so we're a little different because we're REIT. We're not necessarily an operator in the space. We're an ancillary companies. You guys, know. yeah.
0: What did you want to go ahead and? No, go ahead. Or, go ahead, Sean. I'll wait. I was going to say, like, we're you're in twelve states right now. What does twenty twenty four look like as far as like how are you managing capital? What are trends that you see in industry wise? More specifically, your company, like, how are you? I guess sort of strategizing going into this new year based on uh, the way you're thinking the industry will actually trend as well?
1: Yeah, um, I, I think every year has to start by looking inside. We're always looking at our portfolio, looking for opportunities to manage risk within the portfolio, improve the returns on our portfolio. So portfolio managed, it's not a set it and forget it type of business. Yeah. Um, and again, we we I think showed that in the fourth quarter where we partnered with one of our tenants to sell their property and reallocate that capital to the Arizona, to an Arizona project, um, and I think you'll see potentially more of that in the future. Where can we be helpful to our tenants? Where do they need some additional TI for for build out or or to enhance operations or to enhance the facilities? Um, Maybe there'll be a property or two that we want to monetize and, and book again and redeploy that capital yeah. into higher yielding assets. So that's the first place we look. Second is we are looking at new transactions, and as more states come online and there's turn-ons and conversions from medical to recreational, there's opportunities. As you look at additional states um, that look to legalize medical, you know, there's some investment opportunities there, or some of the uh, states that more recently. Um, uh, approved medical. So so there's all those opportunities. And then you have, as companies are maturing and they're feeling more confident in their footprint, um, people are looking to potentially monetize what they have on their balance sheet to raise non-dilutive capital, to mm-hmm. pay down debt. Right, The debt becomes fairly expensive, particularly if it's floating rate. Um, so there's a couple of those trend, types of transactions that we're looking at. So hmm. for us, I go back to quality growth. Um, we're going to have growth in our revenue this year. Uh, I'm not making predictions, I'm not making forward-looking statements, but with the annual escalators and with uh, putting out the money that's already committed, um, you should see growth in our revenue as long as we collect all of our rent. Yeah. That is ultimately the case. I
2: hmm. mean, obviously with, the, with your portfolio being 100% occupied and, and stabilized from an hmm. asset perspective, I mean, a lot of the narrative last year was, yeah, I mean, the, the, the sector's doing well, but there is a lot of like distressed assets um all over the country in markets like california colorado washington um i mean are you seeing that are you seeing like i'm sure your deal flow is you see a lot um are you seeing a lot of distressed assets um like in the pipeline and that are coming to market or is that kind of a lot of conjecture and just people really just throwing darts
1: now, over the course of 23, there were a lot of what I would call distressed transactions that were coming to the market. Um, by and large, it was people that were looking to monetize a property that was being used as collateral for a debt facility. And they wanted to sell it to us, enter into a lease and pay off the debt. They wanted to get away from the covenants that the debt had. Get away from the higher cost of debt because again many of those were floating rate and so many of them had stated coupons in the high teens um, as well as having covenants and every time you bust a covenant you have to pay a a fee waiver or covenant waiver so they got very expensive so we saw a lot of that i I would tell you though i mean just look at what we announced or i should say what we didn't announce most of those transactions aren't for us we're looking for higher quality companies we're not looking to be somebody else's uh, takeout. We want to make sure it's quality asset and a quality state. Um, we didn't talk about that we focus on limited license states. And so, you know, some of the people that got into trouble, the reason they got into trouble is they weren't in the limited license states. And so um, that's just not gonna, going to fit our box,
2: if you will. Yeah, I feel like we're seeing, we're starting to see a reckoning in the uh, the non-limited license. Uh, Yeah, certainly. I
1: think in the second half of 23, you saw a lot of that shake out. Um, I think most of that is, I don't want to say done, but I think if you've survived thus far and you've stabilized your business, um, I think you're in pretty good shape heading into 2024. I don't see a tremendous amount of new production capacity coming online in in the States uh, where it's legal. And so therefore, that should bring some stabilization to the wholesale pricing. I think where you could see Um, some pricing decreases could be in the states where you're seeing many more retail locations open up. Um, And so as you get more and more retail, then you start to see price decreases at the point of sale, which is decreasing the margin on the retail side, but maintaining the wholesale margin. Um, And so that's healthy because that in many cases, what we've observed increases unit sales. Um, And so right when prices come down, people were finding uh, in most states are buying more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's healthy, uh, for the Pretty insurance sure in that matter.
0: I was, uh, with Boris Jordan last week, company that, uh, you work with Cureleaf that listed yep. on the GSX big announcement. And, uh, he was telling me, like, you look at Manhattan, we discussed before it's 1500 to 2000 black market illegal dispensaries. He's saying it's a tremendous wholesale market opportunity. And that he sees a lot of these black market dispensaries flipping onto the legal side and it'll happen actually fast. But, um, Interesting to see based off of last month's announcements, what kind of opportunity that market will bring, but yeah, from a wholesale opportunity, it's going to be huge if indeed that comes to fruition.
1: All about dispensaries. It's all about opening up those retail locations. I mean, I think, I think the one thing that that we know from the illicit the proliferation of illicit um stores in new york is the demand for cannabis from a new york consumer is absolutely there and they're going through the illicit channel right now some of them don't even many people don't even realize it's an illicit uh channel but they're going into these stores to uh to purchase cannabis and so we can get those sales into the legal channel um, and then have your wholesale providers or the ROS provide wholesale into that market. It's significant, but it's yeah. all about getting the dispensaries open because they can't obviously they can't sell into the illicit uh, into totally the illicit right. channel. So if we can get those retail locations. You got to get hundreds and hundreds of them open yeah. to start to switch the consumer behavior to the legal channel from the illicit channel, and that's where the real unlock
2: is. Yeah, um, I don't know if you agree pretty- with this, but I mean, I would say just give them all licenses drop the barrier, let all the retailers just doggy dog. Here you go. You're now part of the legal market. Here's your wholesale buyers. You think you can operate? Operate. And the market will just correct itself. And you'll start to see guys rise that understand how to run a business. And the guys will all go out of business that have no business being there in the first place Um, and just wash them out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> there are certainly benefits to that. I think, yeah. you know, there's there's significant risks. I think a lot of people, oh, um, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, if they're willing to take yeah, that risk after think? the
0: rollout, of say out. I don't think they're willing to take that risk the state after the way the rollout happened. Oh, but, no, 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 no. I
2: mean, I'm just, I'm just mm-hmm. hi- hi- hypothesizing here. But I yeah. mean, if, I, if, if you really wanted to clean it out and wash out the market and get rid of them once and for all, give them all legal licenses and say, all right, operate.
1: Yeah. And, and operate as yeah, a letter of the law and have a stringent yeah. enforcement process, um, that collects the taxes and, and has zero like
2: tolerance. Cases. Yeah. Z- Z- zero tolerance, enforcement and compliance. And you will yeah. weed them out very quickly. Pun intended. Pun, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Pun intended in that, in that instance.
0: To your point though, like Anthony and I were in uh, New York, what, six weeks ago, but it is crazy how many illegal dispensaries there are, but to your point, Anthony, it's, it's, you don't even realize that they are illegal. Like these are some oh, nice no. shops. Like when you walk by and think, yeah. you know, is this really a black market dispensary? But indeed it is.
2: The one that was yeah. right next to Nomad had Stizzy, Cookies, Jungle Boys. They all had branded product and neon signs in the windows and it looked completely legit. I know if I didn't know yeah. any better, I would walk in there and think that I'm buying real cannabis Yeah. Um, from a licensed dispensary. Yeah. Um, which is a scary part because, from a consumer perspective, you don't know what you're getting. Uh, That's you right. You have because absolutely no idea what times, you're getting. Right.
1: Yeah. Many times these labels are counterfeited labels, right? So oh, yeah. you don't know that it's dizzy product in there. Maybe it's a dizzy product. Maybe not. Well, it's, Maybe it's just a counterfeit yeah. label. Probably not.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, Great news, obviously, for you last month. That must have been great as far as, uh, as I said, Pablo Zwenich, you know, regarded as probably one of the, if not the best analysts in the space, providing initiating coverage on your company, which, you know, ensued a ton of volume for you over the course of a couple of weeks. And then the consistency of the dividend, uh, all in all, a good month for you and probably a good way to uh, end the year. So uh, as we head in here to 2024, you got any... New Year's resolutions, or are we just sticking to the status quo?
1: Um, you know, I'd say 2024 is going to be about, uh, for us, it's going to be continuing to get our story out. We try to spend a lot of time during 2023, getting uh, the New Lake story out to investors. Yeah. In 2024, we're going to continue to do that, but we're going to start spending more and more time with institutions. Um, now that we've been able to get the volume, you know, when you look at volume, volume is very, very important to investors and particularly institutional investors. And yeah. so for us, we grew volume over 20%, um, during the course of the year while the cannabis industry at large was down and some of our competitors saw yeah. their volumes go down over the year. And so we're really proud of, of having gotten the story out there, driving investors, growing that investor base. And so we're going to not only do more of that, but we're also going to spend more time with the institutions, making sure that they're aware of us, making sure that they're aware of the opportunity to invest in New Lake and an ancillary business around cannabis as the catalysts for their potential investment starts to come through. and so. Um, if Schedule Three wants to move, if Schedule Three happens and it moves an investor off the sideline, we want them to know about New Lake and be able to ready to make yeah. a decision, as opposed to waiting for Schedule Three and then trying to book appointments and, yeah. and get people known. So um, we've always had some consistency with institutions, um, but we're really going to turn up the dial here because we think institutions are going to start to take note, um, and then we're going to work on uh, on the exchange run. It's another yeah, issue I right ask, I, that I think yeah, held back valuation so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we see we see Boris and and the Curaleaf team moving just over to TSX. That. We interviewed Jason towards the end of the last year, and you know he talked about seeing the volume on TSX. I think I think Jason hit it right, which was there are a lot of people that wanted to see the stock price move more. But I think he hit it right by saying it's not just about investors having the venue; they have to have the desire and and the and the bid for the stock itself. And so. Um, I applaud what they did over at TerraSend over the last 12 months. I think Keith Staffer, CFO, and that team—they've done a great job in in uh, working on the balance sheet, getting the balance sheet to look great. They um, just need the investors to not only have the ability to execute, but the desire. They have to get through their investment committees, they have to get through the compliance, and so we're going to be doing a lot of that work and evaluating TSX and some other options and. Um, we know it's critically important for our investors, and so it's critically important for
0: us. I think people want to see any stock move fast, but when you actually understand and they explain what the storyline is, it makes a lot of sense. And I think more and more investors in this space, especially on the retail side, are starting to understand the, like, the long-term trajectory, but it still looks bright based off of some of these opportunities. And, you know, let's face it, as Anthony said off the top. Let's stop talking about it. We actually need some change from a legislation standpoint and from potentially a rescheduling standpoint, but when that comes into play, then a lot of these things like the terracins and cure leaves, what they've been saying all along, uh, suddenly the light goes off and makes sense. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Now I'll make an unabashed plug for new lake here to say, um, if people believe that those catalysts are going to occur. Uh, why not get paid a dividend along the way? We do pay a quarterly dividend, and so some of our largest Great. investors um, like to say, "I know I've got the upside of ultimate federal legalization when it comes, and they believe it'll come, and I'm going to get paid a healthy dividend while I'm uh, while I'm waiting uh, for that catalyst to occur." And so that's what our investors get to enjoy. Well,
0: I asked you if any New Year's resolutions, we at TDR have a couple. We're now launching a daily newsletter. And in that twice a week, we're going to have an equity research report on specific companies. So you being a Wall Street veteran, when you review an equity research report, what are things that you like to see?
1: Uh, Data. I'm a data junkie. I like to know that um, the research is rooted in real data. Um, of course, there's always some level of opinion that is uh, that is offered up in a research report. Someone's going to have a view that uh, sales will go up and hopefully there's some data behind it. But I like to see well thought out data um, behind the position that somebody takes as opposed to just pitching a, a particular idea. Um, but I think it's a great idea and I'll tell you why. You know. We, we always spend so much time around this space. I'm sure you guys see it. There are echo chambers all over this sector.
2: I know. We're part of, um, we're, we're, we're part of it. I mean, right. granted, I like to think about what, we keep a nice level-headed opinion, but I mean, yes, the cannabis industry at large does have an echo chamber problem. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you see it a lot in social media. This industry really oh, yeah. likes to focus on social media and people block other people. Um, quite frankly, I think that's a mistake. I think, you know, we should be seeing what everybody has to say. You know, what you guys do here too, is, um, I'll just say, I'm a fan of what you do is you bring different perspectives into the dialogue, which allows, um, which allows people to hear those different perspectives, gain insight and gain perspectives that allows them to make their own decisions as opposed to just feeding back that constant din of positive news or positive spin on very, very little news. Yeah. Um, the more informed people are, the better they can make decisions.
2: Yeah, and the best well, thing is numbers. N- n- numbers don't lie; they add up yeah, to what they add up to. Data and, and there, there, there's no there, there's no disputing them. I mean, obviously, you can dispute the sources, but if they're sound, right. numbers do not lie. Yeah, That's exactly right. Yeah.
0: So when I worked in mainstream television, and the main reason why I launched this podcast because if I did it like a lot of these digital pro- uh, providers did, say five, six, seven years ago. I would have started out the podcast like this. Good afternoon and welcome to our latest podcast. Click now to find out what's the next Nvidia stock going to the moon in 3 days or less.
2: Yes. <laughs> and then you will no, have the SEC we, knocking on your door uh, very yep. politely. Exactly. But no, sure. we need,
1: we need to have we need to have more intelligent conversations about yeah. the industry that are rooted in fact and not speculation. And listen, it's all—it's always okay to have assumptions. We all have assumptions uh, and opinions in our business plans, uh, but being able to articulate them with some data and some facts behind them, I think is the real differentiator to quality research and, and quality opinion yep. making.
2: And that's what we're setting out to do. I mean, set, bringing the CFA that we're bringing on. I mean, what we're trying to do is take different approaches and bring out metrics that people aren't looking at right now. Um, Whether it's around 280, whether it's around margin degradation or margin expansion, where these companies sit really, um, Mm -hmm. and also kind of debunking the uh, adjusted EBITDA metric um, that we see a lot. Um, I mean, a lot of people don't really understand how that metric gets, how the sausage is made um, in those metrics and and being able to truly understand the free cash flow potential of these businesses and who's siloing what on their balance sheet from a tax perspective. We're looking forward to diving into all of that and really bringing a shining a light on a lot of the financial metrics and the quantitative aspects of the uh, sector. I
1: I think that's great. And and we've spoken before, I believe, about footnotes. I think I've mentioned.
2: Very, very important.
1: Footnotes are a treasure trove of information, footnotes to the financials that get overlooked. as well as the little footnotes on the table, and so like you talk about adjusted EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA is a concept that a lot of companies use, but few use it the same way. They few of them define it the same way. So understanding the nuances and the differences. The same thing with cash flow. Some people include certain things in free cash flow and, and exclude others. And so uh, anything that you guys can do to broaden out um, the investors' knowledge of those factors. It's just going to be, um, it's going to be great. It's going to be great for the industry.
0: We're in New York, actually, the next month, month and a half. We're going, Anthony. Maybe we should meet up with you and we should do an actual podcast, just a visualization of walking through an actual financial report. And you can like highlight just things to look for for people to visually see and in reference to what you're talking about
1: it might be the fastest way to lose viewers. But um, I couldn't think of, I mean, I'm excited. No, no, about I couldn't maybe. think of a faster way for you to lose viewers than Swag but well, yeah, I know, i love page it.
0: Page 94.
2: <laughs> we'll just, we'll, just basically and, well, through the foot, we'll, we'll go through the footnotes with closed captioning on the screen. So people can we'll actually- We all have to get on. the green visors. Yeah, yeah. 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 that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. You, put, you put on your producer's
0: hat i like it here i am the guy that's supposed to understand media and it's pretty much a good point of saying that yeah you probably lose a few viewers if you uh, went through that uh sort of strategy but listen, market
1: as a uh, as a yeah. sleeping
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah um listen still a lot of people away this week but i appreciate you uh checking in working hard and uh you know, happy uh, new year to you and all the family. Hope you enjoyed the holiday season. And uh, most importantly, let's get ready for an exciting uh, 2024
1: uh, year. Yeah. Sounds great. Look forward to uh, an exciting 2024 with anticipation, um, for, anticipation. Good things ahead for for all of us. But if we all work hard, hopefully we create our own good luck along the way.
0: Yeah. Appreciate
1: it. Let's keep in touch. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks. Good talking to you guys. Hey everyone, thanks for watching.
0: We appreciate all your feedback. So, if you want to leave some comments, let us know what you think and what you want to learn of. Subscribe to our channel by clicking here. If you want to see more videos like this, then click here. Because at the end of the day, we would not be here without you. Thanks for watching, everyone.